From the shores of the Pacific coast and waves of the shining sea to the purple mountains and the majesty of the west. These are the stories that unite 12 institutions in a shared commitment to excellence bound by the western spirit of innovation and opportunity. You're listening to At The Peak, the podcast featuring stories and conversations from around the Mountain West. Here is your host, Jesse Kurtz. But what a pleasure it is to get a chance to talk to one of the voices of Mountain West football, Carter Blackburn, who is a sportscaster for CBS Sportsnet, often assigned to Mountain West games. Carter, I appreciate you taking time for us here on the At The Peak podcast. Hey, my pleasure, Jesse. It's uh, it's it's good to get the season underway. Lot, a lot of fun already. Yeah, no question. Well, let's start with that. You helped kick off college football around the country this weekend, and what a night it was in Honolulu, Hawaii, knocking off Arizona in a thriller, 48 to 35. How much fun was that game for you, right out of the gates? It was a blast. I Rick Neuheisel said it on the air at the very beginning of the broadcast. The, the great part about college football is you just never know what's going to happen and that was the theme of the night with Arizona and Hawaii uh it was a thrill it was it was I mean I remember at some point in the third quarter just commercial break or whatever it was just turning to Aaron and Rick and just saying oh this isn't this a blast yeah because it's such a like it is for everybody, it's such a long build-up. Even, even when it's week zero, it's such a long build-up to that first football game of the year. And to be as, as privileged as I am to be able to be in the broadcast booth and, and make a living out of this, uh, it's, just a, it's just a ton of fun. And, and that, was, that was a game, certainly, even in the middle of it, you, 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 try and, uh, you try and really appreciate how much fun this gig is. Well, you knew it was going to come down to the final seconds, and it did just that, and your call. You were in mid-season form, my friend, with that final call. Talk me through the final play as Arizona quarterback Khalil Tate breaks into the open field. What were you thinking in the middle of that play calling the action? Well, it's one of those where you you know that even before the, the game, even before um, Khalil Tate's one of those guys that you never take your eyes off of because you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there were there were a couple times in the game where he was able to break free, roll in a, out of the pocket, throw the ball 50, 55 yards in the air, and he's capable of doing really incredible things. So even though you're you're anticipating before that, I think they snapped that with 10 seconds, and so you're thinking they kind of been going underneath a little bit and, and uh, you're kind of thinking maybe it's going to be a couple of plays and you're keeping an eye on the clock and then he just breaks it and that clock that's in your head before you, you before you even look up there and know that there's zeros on the clock, you know that there's zeros on the clock. So it's going to be this is it. And so you're – and then it's like eyes on the goal line, right, because it, it, it has to be the touchdown or nothing. And so you're you're just – you're you're – your focus is rapidly shrinking from where the football is to where that goal line is, and, and when it when it's right down there, you know you, you just you wait for anything that's going to to signal whether there's arms in the air, touchdown, or not, and uh, and when you realize that wow, that Khalil Tate is just that one yard short was uh, was was pretty thrilling. You know it's you know it's zeros. You know there's there's not going to be anything else. Uh, there's no there's no worrying about a field goal or anything like that. It's like this is all this is all 
all in, and it was uh, yeah, it was a heck of a play, heck yeah. of a play. What were your takeaways uh, for Hawaii? Second straight year they've opened up with an offensive shootout in, in week zero. That offense looks super fast. The Rainbow Warriors have Oregon State and then Washington. What were some of your takeaways from the Rainbow Warriors after seeing them in person? That they're playing confidently, and, and that was watched, I think, three different Hawaii games from last year getting ready for this one. Two of them from the 6-1 and one start, and then one of them from later in the year, and they were a totally different team. Uh, because, I mean, 6-1, and 3-0 in the Mountain West. It started off last year, and they lost the four straight. But they're playing with the confidence of, uh, of a team that feels like they, they belong on the field with Pac-12, belong on the field with the best of the Mountain West Conference, and, and really have something to prove, which is, which is the goal of Nick Rolovich and Hawaii football, to get back to wins and bowls are, you know, are nice things to, to – hang up there, but really getting back to playing with a, with a confidence, with a swagger that represents the islands and island pride. And, uh, and, and I think that is, that is a legitimate piece of what you saw on the football field when big underdog against a, a very talented Pac-12 team. And, and despite the fact that Hawaii, I mean, far from perfect, six turnovers, uh, but really then, and then the twos get in the game and including Chevin Cordero, a quarterback in, and they make their statement and close out the win. So it was, uh, it was, I think it was, I think it was a big confident statement about where Hawaii football is, is headed in 2019. No question about that. Nick Rolovich is doing, is doing great things at his, at his alma mater in the Mountain West now. Uh, if you blinked, uh, he might be uh, worth repeating here. Five straight wins over the Pac-12. You've been watching Mountain West games now for a long time in the broadcast booth. What are your thoughts on the strength of the league this year? Well, I think it's I think it's one that can compete uh, with 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 the Pac-12 uh, major five conferences in in college football, and uh, and and that's at the top of the league. But when you're talking about the top of the league, you're talking about uh, three deep on each side, really. And and I mean, this was I had let's see, I had Colorado State beating Arkansas last year. Uh, which was early in the year when Arkansas was uh, supposed to be playing with a lot of confidence, and uh, Colorado State beat him. Arizona State uh, beat by San Diego State, another great game. And then this Hawaii win over Arizona. Uh, and then Oregon State's next up, you know, first of three for Hawaii. And I think especially with Oregon State being in Honolulu, I mean, these are – Geez, you could, you could, uh, and and that would be that would be one that would really turn heads because I guarantee you the Hawaii is two and zero in the Pac-12 standings if they're able to get that win. I mean, already I already I saw that this this week. You know, Hawaii one and zero in the Pac-12. So I think that would be I think that would be a, a another part of a statement statement win for sure. Well, your trek across the Mountain West landscape will continue this weekend. You'll be in Laramie for a Week One matchup between Wyoming and Missouri. Going from Honolulu to Laramie, you're getting the the full landscape right away here in the Mountain West in a matter of about seven days. What are some of your favorite stops in the Mountain West? Because it is such a diverse range of cities and topography, and you know, you know the the scenic uh, part of of traveling around this league. What are some of your favorite stops in the league? I mean, I can't say that I I dislike uh, Hawaii. <laughs> uh, it is certainly it is certainly one of the top fifty states. 
no question about it. Uh, there's plenty to see and do in the archipelago. So I, I, I can't uh, – and, and, of course, San Diego is America's finest city. But I was actually discussing the topography of the Mountain West Conference at the breakfast table this morning with wife and my two little girls, and uh, the 4-year-old is named Lucille. And so when I go to Fort Collins, Colorado, I always eat at Lucille's and bring back a – handful of stickers from Lucille's Creole Cafe in Fort Collins so that like all of her water bottles that go to school all have the Lucille's sticker on them so Fort Collins I have a very good friends who play in a, in a band Whippoorwill uh, new album coming out Nature of Storms a fantastic band out of Fort Collins Colorado so I do enjoy my in fact on the way to Laramie uh, this week I'll be stopping through Fort Collins and seeing my friends and eating at Lucille's but uh I, I do enjoy all the stops. I mean, uh, there's, there is not a finer hiking league uh, in the history of college sports than the Mountain West Conference. And, and my teammates and I enjoy a good hike, including uh, Aaron, Jenny, our associate director, Mike Nastry, and I, uh, we, we crushed the pillbox hike on the, uh, on the northeast side of Oahu, um, uh, this past week, so we and that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty significant hike. As are the wind caves outside of Logan, Utah. But we we are not afraid of a hike, and we 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 enjoy them all. Love it. Get that blood pumping before you get in the booth. Let's talk about your career. You grew up in Kerrville, Texas, just northwest of of San Antonio. When did you realize that this could be and would be your career path? As soon as I got cut from all of the sports teams that I was on, that's when that's when my that's when my broadcasting career began. I I would if I could have done anything, I would have been Don Mattingly on a baseball diamond or Don Mattingly a basketball. He was a terrific basketball player as well, Evansville, Indiana. But Don Mattingly was my guy, and I wanted to be a great baseball player. And I tried and I tried and I tried and I had absolutely zero athletic ability, uh, certainly in baseball and in really in, in, in all the other sports. So it was pretty early on that I, I knew that I was I was passionate about sports, but there was going to be zero future, no future whatsoever uh, in me playing the sports. So my my attention quickly turned to the press box. And so by the time I was 15, I was actually on the radio in Kerrville, Texas, broadcasting my high school sports. And it was a great gig because AM radio station doing the sports of, like, all my buddies. So I get to broadcast on the AM side. Then the FM side was a country music station promoting all of the local artists. So I got to go to all of the Willie Nelson, Robert Earl Keane, Jerry Jeff Walker, all those shows with a press pass backstage uh, when I was 16, 17 years old. So it was it was a great gig. Oh, who had it better than you at that time? You, you then leave mm. you leave Texas for for college. You attend Syracuse University, which has produced some of the best sportscasters this business has ever known: Bob Costas, Mike Tirico, Marv Albert, Ian Eagle, Sean McDonough. The list goes on. What was it like for you walking the same halls as those legends, knowing that you might too have the opportunity to follow in their footsteps of being a professional sportscaster? Uh, both uh, exciting, uh, a little bit intimidating, and then really as you get to know all of those uh, great people and uh, 
and their experiences in college, you realize like, oh, everyone was 19. Like every every everyone did ridiculous things. Everyone, you know, uh, you know, Bob Costas was not always uh, uh, had a closet full of Emmys. You know, back back then he 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 was just trying to be the next Marv Albert. We were trying to be the next Bob Costas. Uh, and the great part about Syracuse is those uh, every one of those people that that you mentioned has has become a, a mentor or a friend in one way or another through my sports broadcasting career and. The, the one, the one about Bob Costas stands out. The freshman year, I had an assignment that was talk to a reporter about their interviewing techniques. Like that was the broad assignment, and I decided, well, call Bob Costas. So I went to the alumni center. I got his office's phone number in St. Louis. I called up and I was like, hey, you know, I have this assignment for a freshman class. Can I talk to Bob about interviewing? And uh, it's like, you know, uh, we'll call you back and let you know. And, yes, sure, Bob would like be happy to do that. And so, you know, half hour, um, you know, was, was me talking to Bob Costas on the phone for this fall freshman year 105 class. But he, he was more than willing to take the time out to do it. And that's kind of indicative of how he's been and, and how the Syracuse thing keeps on going. And now it's – I mean, it's it, – my class, Andrew Catalan, Damon Amendolara, Adam Zucker, Adam Shine, we're all, we were all at the same student radio station together, and now we're all at CBS Sports, so it's pretty cool. That is awesome. Uh, this business certainly can be tough. Nobody, uh, as you identified, goes straight from college to CBS Sports. There's a lot of uh, hurdles to get over. Uh, you know, you pay your dues, so to speak. Did you have any moments where you were wondering when you, when you got out of Syracuse, like, when's my big break going to come? Oh, absolutely. Now, I mean, I, I, I was in a. I mean, I say this very truthfully. I was very lucky to get a job at ISP when it was. It grew into a real large company, and now IMG. And uh, but at at the time, it was relatively small in Winston Salem. So I had. A, I was lucky enough to have um, that great gig. But yes, I, I did. I did plenty. I did plenty of. Uh, Low wattage AM radio station, and we would do WZZZ football radio shack uh, tape recorder. And then, because the station would be closed after the football game, you just grab a, a plastic uh, bag from the grocery store across the street, drop your cassette tapes in there, tie them on the door, and the guy who came in at 8 a.m. say on Saturday would with. And now we bring you last night's Central Square versus Us We Go football game and hit play on your cassette tape. And if if you got paid, it was in a dozen wings at uh, Chubby's Tavern. Um, and thankfully, they didn't ID very hard. And uh, but the wings were fantastic, so they were. Uh, so that that was that was the payment if you got payment from WZZZ and a little a little bit of everything along the way. I've, I've, uh, there's there's been a little bit of everything. Well, young broad, broadcasters have to eat because you're right. You're not making a lot of money. And at 28, you became the second youngest person to call an NCAA basketball tournament game. Second only in that to Jim Nance. What was that experience like for you to be calling a game on that sort of stage where you know all kinds of of eyeballs and and ears? Are going to be on you and did you know at that time that you were in that select company i i certainly did not know it was it was total dream come true to the point where 
I had done a fair amount or a good amount of college basketball and TV at that point, so I was doing the hey, just approach as another game, and you're just you know you're just you're you're just getting ready to broadcast the game like you always have. Never mind, it's Jay Bill is sitting next to you, and never mind that after you're in that chair, Kinberg slide in and, and do the rest of the tournament. You're pretending that this is just another game, and then the March Madness music begins, and I was sort of like, oh. Wait, I am now the one who was inside the television uh, doing March Madness on CBS. Like that was that was an almost startling moment, very surreal. And I was yes, I remember Jay. Uh, Jay made a, a joke about you. Remember Kenneth from Thirty Rock? He was the uh, the 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 page on, on that NBC show that like me in a CBS blazer at that point. I looked like Kenneth from Thirty Rock, and he was a hundred percent correct. Uh, but it was it was a it was a terrific experience for a lot of different reasons. But the the one that really stands all these years later is with the time that I got to Inberg two years doing the NCAA tournament where I was essentially his opening act. And that was a like PhD in sports broadcasting and and how to be uh, a total professional and gentleman. Not only on the on the air was almost like the. Um, the icing on the cake, everything else, the way he treated people and was treated by people with, with such great respect. That was a that was a great education. You've also dabbled a little bit in calling golf for CBS. You've worked the Masters, uh, I believe, in 2015. And coincidentally, at least from a Mountain West standpoint, Charlie Hoffman of UNLV was in the mix. Adam Scott, a former champion just years earlier. The Mountain West has a strong presence on the T- PGA Tour. I mean, Xander Schauffele just finished second in the FX mm-hmm. Cup standings. You enjoy calling golf as well? I love it. I I I, I hope to get – I hope to – do golf at some point a little bit later on. I'll just for 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 this time in my life, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a, a great fit. Um, but it, it, I, I really do enjoy uh, doing golf, and obviously those experiences are going to Augusta National Golf Club and getting to work the Masters was total dream come true. I mean, that was the, my grandfather had the day that uh, I think a lot of Americans have. Uh, have had or dreamed about where it was just his perfect day at, at Augusta National. So when I got to walk walk that course the first time was that was you know he, he's been gone a long time now, but it, it was it was like walking there with him and uh, it was it was very very special and um, it was it's that's 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 certainly something you you never forget because it was pretty great. But broadcasting it can be can be tough uh, on a family with the amount of, of traveling you do. How do you how do you find that work family life balance? Maybe other than bringing stickers home from Fort Collins, that's big. That's a big win, by the way. Big kudos to you. But how do you strike that balance? Because it is a very demanding job on your time. It is. It's, it's from the very beginning um, when I was investigating. Hey, what would this like be like as a as a sportscaster? I was very conscious early on from what everyone told me about how how challenging it is so i've tried to make choices big and small along the way that would allow me to uh have a family have a happy wife and and still be a traveling sportscaster and certainly my wife would be more qualified to answer uh the question than than i would uh but i i try certainly to maximize the 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 time that i have at home and be 
very present when I am at home. My four-year-old Lucille, I, I took her with me to the Conference USA basketball tournament last March, and it was great. Now she will go with me everywhere, and I, I can't blame her. I mean, it's you know, getting on a plane and getting the snacks uh, is uh, is fantastic. So uh, it's you know, it's. It's it's always it's always a challenge. It takes a lot of scheduling. My wife has a great job. She works in the fine business, so uh, she also travels for work some. Uh, certainly before kids, she was traveling a lot more. But we schedules a lot, uh, and then uh, enjoy enjoy the time when we're all together as much as we possibly can. Well, finally, what keeps you busy when you're not in the broadcast booth? What are some of the things that, that you enjoy to do? You, you identified hiking as something you like to do on the road. What are some other things that, that keep you busy from a, a hobby standpoint? Well, I've got my, I'm in my, what I call my garage now, the garage home office. So I can pivot in my chair from where I have like notes from Missouri, Wyoming. And then I have two guitars presently in the, in the garage office. I do like to put the fingers on the strings whenever I get the chance. I mean, I've always, always been a big fan of country music, tech, music, music in general, but I, I guess what, but since I, I only know about four or five chords, it tends towards uh, country. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I enjoy picking around on the guitar. So with Rick Neuheisel, my producer, Scott Brandwine, Brent Stover of CBS sports also, uh, new, there's a, there's, there's a lot of us out there and every, every single person I just mentioned is a better guitar player than I am, but it's, it's kind of like my golf game. Like I don't let the fact that I'm bad at it, uh, keep me from enjoying it. So bad golf, bad guitar. And uh, you know, I've got some I've got some writing pursuits, but I'll, I'll just I'll save that for when um, you know I'm setting the Pulitzer here in a few years, and then and then we can then we can look back and 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 realize that this is where I broke the news. So that's exciting. <laughs> well, there's one thing that we certainly know that you are are very very good at, and that's calling football, basketball, whatever they put you in the booth for for CBS Sports Network. You're a pro's pro, and we're fortunate to have you as one of the national voices of the Mountain West. Thank you for all you do for this league, and have a great season. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Thank you. That's Carter Blackburn, lead sportscaster for CBS Sports Network. Thanks for listening to the At The Peak podcast. For more episodes, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. For comprehensive coverage and information on your favorite Mountain West teams, student-athletes, and coaches, including how to follow along on our social media channels, please visit themw.com, the official website of the Mountain West. Thanks again for listening to the At The Peak Podcast.